Have you ever walked past a dumpster and been like, yo, I wonder what's in that dumpster? I can put on these glasses. Let's start eating that trash can. Hello again. <laughs> this is the what is this? <laughs> this is the true crime dumpster with Amy and Kevin. And we're coming back at you with episode number two, uh, the return of the Garys, the bad ones, though. Um, and this episode, we're going to be covering the Green River Killer, also known as Gary Ridgeway, as well as we're just Gary. Gonna, Indiana. We're just going to take a little gander at what the deal is with Gary, Indiana. So um, I know we have done a ton of research on Gary Ridgeway. Um, you did a ton, and then you did a ton more, and then I couldn't get enough. I know, and so then we both. Red. Well, I read Green River Running Red by Anne Rule because she's kind of a big voice on a lot of things, true crime. But I know that it was a big deal when she wrote that book because luckily she w- lived long enough to be able to see him go um, be incarcerated. Um, but I actually listened to the book twice, so I'll be able to kind of chime in. But I know that you listened to it at least once. So, um, yeah, you want to get into it? Let's get into it. Let's take out this human garbage. Uh, So, Gary Leon Ridgway, born February 18th, 1949 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Second of three sons to Mary Rita Steinman and Thomas Newton Ridgway. Uh, The mother... There's not a lot of Newtons out there. Okay, well, that's a good observation. (laughs) Except for the Fig Newtons. I'm not surprised you say that. Um, So the mother, Mary, uh, she's a manager at JCPenney. I guess you can say she's very well put together. She's got her outfits and her makeup and all that. Um, She wasn't a very good mom, though, I hear. Or maybe too good of a mom. <laughs> well, I mean, it's all shades of gray, right? Um, <laughs> she no, was... I would say, <laughs> I would go ahead and say that Carrie Woodway's pretty black and white. But yeah, it, mom might be a little gray. Uh, she was very controlling, and uh, her sons would call her the warden. Oh. Um, the father, Thomas, uh, worked as a bus driver. Uh, part-time mortuary worker, and he would tell his kids about his co-workers having sex with the stiffs. Ew. Yeah. Oh, uh, I wonder how that definitely had to have influenced him then, yeah? He's like, know, oh, that, I mean... Well, I'm that not sounds... a betting man, but... <laughs> that sounds cool. I should try that, you know? <laughs> oh, and I didn't say that. I'm pretending to be Gary Ridgeway. I don't want to do that again. I like when you do that. No, no. Um, so they moved around frequently, and they ended up uh, in a lower-class neighborhood called SeaTac near Seattle, Washington. Which when, is That's uh, just the name of the airport, right? Well, it's known for the airport, but it's... Oh, it's actually a town? Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. I just thought it was the SeaTac airport, like Seattle, Tacoma. I thought that, too, before I did all this research. Wow. In depth. Okay. So, uh, all right. They moved there when Gary is 11. I don't know if you've been to SeaTac, but... I have. How would you describe it? It's an airport. (laughs) The area around the airport. Uh, I mean, I know... What's that place that's somewhere else as well? Des Moines? Yep. Des Moines, Washington. Mm -hmm. Uh, That is where I go to the bathroom when I'm leaving the airport after having to pick you up, which was... (laughs) Two and a half hours away from Portland, so that usually sucked pretty bad. Was it a good bathroom? Yeah, CVS, CVS has an excellent bathroom in near SeaTac in Des Moines, Washington, which I also had a student that went to community college there. At the bathroom? <laughs> I think there's a community college in the bathroom mm-hmm. that's at Des Moines. Um, but it's kind of desolate. Correct. You know? um, yeah. 
I guess there was kind of a neighborhood there, and as they expanded the airport, uh, they did the imminent domain thing where they just kind of took over all these houses and stuff. They just, like, said a city was blighted and just took it over. Yeah. yeah. So there's a lot of kind of places where there used to be a house. There's still a foundation and stuff, but it's kind of like no man's land. Yeah, because nobody wants to live under, like, a jetway. Yeah. So early on, Gary starts wetting the bed. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah. Well, that's been kind of discounted as like a... Even into his teens. Yeah, it's because you know why. Because he's a serial killer. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's because he liked when his mom cleaned him. What a perv. Yeah, well, the mom may have been too. Although... Yeah, shades of gray. This is why we can't have kids. Correct. Because <laughs> I would just be like, I would just look the other She'd way. She'd just be scrubbing in the tub. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't even handle my, my dogs barely even have accidents. I couldn't handle like a teenage kid wetting his, ugh, no. Nope. Anyways, moving on. If we had a kid, it would be Gary Ridgeway. Oh, yeah. Probably. You don't, you have no control over those things. You can um, scrub a little less. So do you want to explain the scrubbing thing? So the constant bedwetting thing um, really got on Gary's mom's nerves. um, Yeah. And obviously embarrassed Gary. She'd make him strip the bed and then draw a bath where she'd scrub his junk for too long. Yeah. Vigorously. Yeah. And he Um, hated it at first. Well, at first. And then he soon learned that hands on his junk felt good. And started becoming aroused. He then became sexually attracted to his mother. God damn. No. And uh, he would check her out at any opportunity. I actually feel sick. I can't. She'd go around the house in her underwear sometimes and (sighs) he'd be like, yeah, mom, get it. Okay, keep going. Are you sure? It, does it get better? No. <laughs> no. No. It only gets You've worse. I know. read the book twice. Know. You know it doesn't get I better. I know. Um, so in his household, sex was taboo, and his mom would tell Gary masturbating was one of the worst sins. So he was all kind of confused. and He was like, masturbating is bad, but getting my junk scrubbed by my mom is Good? Yep. Oh, that's not backwards. Okay, keep going. I can do this. He's horny and confused. Oh, mom. Um, so, on top of that, school is really hard for him. Uh, he was dyslexic. Did you know that? Oh, yeah. That was a big thing for him. Not very bright either. Um, he would mess so, up the pink colors later on in life, and people called him a alert. whole lot of things because of that. Um. So reading was... A no-go. Yeah. And writing. And writing, yeah. So uh, obviously school is really hard for him. Um, He was held back a grade twice. That's got to hurt. Yeah, but he was good at like putting things together and fixing things Mm -hmm. after learning how to do it, which I guess would take a while. Yeah. At 14, he was obsessed with sex. Weird, right? Yeah. Um, he began peeping in windows. Ew. Don't we all? A peeping Gary. And he would accidentally brush up against a girl's breast area and butt area. Gross. Groper, peeper. Keep going. Accidentally, in the yeah. quotation marks. But the yeah, no. women, they were kind of they knew they knew the game. He's a groper peeper. He's a peeping groper. Yeah. He's a whole lot of things later on, too. He's um, a mom-loving, peeping groper. <laughs> Peer. A grieving poper. I can't. <laughs> Is this... It's a new uh, tongue twister Just keep going. Uh, Just keep going. Believe it or not, no friends in school. Considers himself a loner. Uh, though he did like hurting things. Mm. Killing birds and mm. other small animals in the backyard. Uh, once he caught the family cat, and locked it in a cooler they had for camping overnight. Uh, you return the next day, finding the cat dead. Mm. 
So killing something made him feel powerful and important. But also afterward... Okay. Go ahead. Just, no, I just... I feel important. I killed my cat. It's just something you can do where there's like, I guess, an end result. Whereas like writing a paragraph isn't doable, but killing this cat is apparently. It's just power over life, right? That's what a lot of these things are all about is just power over something because they have no control yeah. of their own lives. You know? Yeah. And I know that the McDonald triad, again, has been like, you know, disproven and all that because people love to wet the bed and stuff. But I mean, the one that it does true... feel pretty good. <laughs> the one the one that they say is credible, has some credibility to it is the animal mutilation thing. So he had the bedwetting. He That's had the animal. Level, yeah, he, had, sure. he had the animal mutilation. What's the third thing? Um, the McDonald triad. Fire. That's right. Did he have any arson stuff? No. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think he. Two does. out of three ain't bad. Yeah, it's really the animal abuse and that's, death. That's definitely a line crosser for sure. For sure. So to keep it chill. Uh, at 16, on his way to a school nothing, dance. nothing chill about this, by the way. He pulled a six-year-old into some bushes and oh. stabbed him oh, between yeah. the ribs, uh, puncturing Jesus. the boy's kidney. Uh, Gary walked away laughing and was never caught. Uh, but the boy lived. Did he not tell on him? I, well, I assume a six-year-old coming home from the bushes, <laughs> bleeding out of the kidney. <laughs> I'm sure someone said something. But uh, I think after it happened, Gary laid low for a while. Mm. Um, and some, I don't know. I guess it was dark and maybe the kid didn't see who it was, you know? Yeah. And he must have come out, you know, years and years later after Gary Ridgeway was caught, I'm assuming then. I'm not sure how they made that correlation. Yeah. WikiLeaks probably just someone just put it in there. T- totally. Keep going. And Rule wrote about it too. <laughs> <laughs> before like there was even a wikipedia probably yeah um so gary graduates at the ripe age of 20 oof well that's not that weird well yeah i guess like humanity has been grading on the curve for a while now yeah well i mean he also graduated at 20 not because he took a couple years off of school it's because he kept being held back so that that yeah. i just want to point that out the man was just holding him back yeah uh <laughs> So he wanted to get some sort of uh, free trade training. So he thought of joining the armed services or you know, armed forces. A Sorry. lot of killers do. Yeah. Um, some hands-on training, killing people, I guess. Mm-hmm. But um, it was also Vietnam time, and he chose the Navy. And I don't know if he was thinking he might not get deployed. Because like... Vietnam doesn't have any water. What? what kind of logic is that because it was like boots on the ground people in the jungle well, how like, did they get there by boats a lot of boats have you not seen apocalypse now they're boats <laughs> they that's how they get to marlon brando's place you know i have seen they go on a boat Right? I've seen it twice. Yeah, there's lots of boats. But both times I was on mushrooms. I have so many boats. Broats. 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 Five of broats. <laughs> okay. Okay. Again, not the brightest guy. So he joins the Navy. Um, around this time, he gets his first real girlfriend. Oh, yeah. And Claudia. She is quite a bullet dodger man all right no i'm just thinking about yeah so they date briefly and then uh marry and move to san diego Mm -hmm. uh, so he can start his training in the navy Mm -hmm. 1970 gary gets deployed to vietnam so he really no surprise yeah didn't do well dodging the bullet yeah he probably took a boat there in the Navy. Um, Every single time you say in the Navy, I think of that stupid, like, in the Navy song. <laughs> Do you know? Uh, never mind. You probably don't because it's like part of a musical or something. Yeah, I'm not a fan of those. No, you're not. I'm not really. Either. Well, eh. So, guess where Gary gets his infatuation with prostitutes? 
His what? Infatuation. Infatuation? In- There's not a C in there. <laughs> well, that's what I got you, babe. My yes, little he gets, English teacher. He gets infatuated with sex workers. And then in he also Vietnam. Vietnam yeah. And also he gets something else from them. Gonorrhea. Correct. Which yeah. is which is why that's like a big reason he hates them. He blames them, right? He hates sex workers, but he loves sex. Also probably hates gonorrhea. <laughs> <laughs> You're on fire. I, I don't know. Who, I don't know who loves gonorrhea, but Capone, I think, loved gonorrhea. Didn't he die of that shit? I don't know. <laughs> that is not something I would know off the top of my head. Yeah. So he gets down with some prostitutes in. Gets down with the sickness. Vietnam. <laughs> yes, he does get down with the sickness. He gets sickness. down with some VD sickness. And he is back in the states after four months because of getting. The gonorrhea. Got it. That is... No. Is that the clap? No. Is that chlamydia? That's chlamydia. Okay. Doesn't gonorrhea have a cool nickname? <laughs> the Rhea? I don't know. I thought it was... No, never That's mind. That's diarrhea. <laughs> um, so when he returns to San Diego, his wife tells him that she'd been sleeping around on him, too. Ooh. Um... Did he give her the Rhea before? You know, Did... at this point, maybe it was like a Rhea or a Boris. And it's just <laughs> going back and forth. Oh, God. Okay. Super Rhea. Uh, so at some point, Gary gets transferred back to Seattle and he goes there alone. Uh, Claudia meets up with him there, but only stays a week. She's like, see ya. Um, gonorrhea face <laughs> yeah thanks for the Rhea I'm out I hopefully she didn't get any cause oh man she you can get rid of it. it no I know it's a treatable one right yeah you yeah. just take a pill or whatever well hopefully yeah well then what's his deal well there I don't know what his deal is you can I mean, ask him he's still alive I know I don't want to hey you Gary what's your deal yeah Gary what's your <laughs> beef I don't okay <laughs> I mean, he's got a lot of problems. He's got... He's quirky. No, he's terrible. Keep going. <laughs> so, yeah, their marriage lasts less than a year, whatever. Uh, um, and then she went back to San Diego, right? She did, yeah. She just like, see ya. And then later, <laughs> I guess she told police in an interview um, that Gary's mom had too much control over his life, and that's why she left. Oh, that's right. She said that um, they had to hand their paycheck straight over to her or something. I don't know if that was his first wife or his second wife. Yeah, and but... she wanted them to live on the property. And yeah, she, and... yeah, and she wanted to control the money, and they had to go to her for like um, allowance and stuff, even if, if even if it was their paychecks. Yeah, super super controlling. And then give hand jobs in the sh- in the bathtub. Well, I hopefully I don't think he was strict regiment. I I don't think he was peeing the bed at that point anymore. Maybe just for fun. Maybe. Ugh. All right, keep going. So, wanting companionship, Gary soon meets Marsha Winslow. Uh, She's short and heavy, but Gary doesn't mind because she treats him well. Yeah, and she her last oh that's right her husband in the last marriage uh, came out as gay. And so her self-confidence was really low. His self-confidence was really low. Both of their significant others had left them. And so it was this really good match um, because they both made each other feel wanted, which is something they didn't have in their last relationship. Yes. And he also, I think, liked that she was heavy because she wouldn't leave him. So they date for a year and get married. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, that's 1973, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, also in 73, Gary begins working at the Kenworth plant, custom painting semi-trucks. Yeah. Gary liked to take Marsha to his favorite secluded places, back roads and dead ends in Maple Valley, in Newman Claw and North Bend, or obscure quiet turnouts on Highway 18, Star Lake and along the banks of the Green River. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> 
we all know where this is going. Yeah. Uh, in 1975, they have their only child, a son they name Matthew. No, it's Chad. Don't they call him Chad? Maybe he's just a Chad. No, his name is Chad. It is? Yeah. Where'd you get Matthew from? I just thought it was weird that his name was Chad because he doesn't look like... He's like a, a dude. redhead. He doesn't, like... he doesn't look like a dude who would name his kid Chad. That's really what I was saying. Really? The mustache totally says Chad. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure his kid's name was Chad. Okay. Maybe it's Matthew Chad or Chad Matthew. You can call him Chad. Okay. Um, soon after having the, the son, he uh, begins getting fanatical about religion mm. and begins reading the Bible aloud at home and work, often crying during sermons or Bible readings. Mm-hmm. You know, if there's one thing I love at work... It's hearing Bible passages? Out loud. And crying. From, oh. That's my favorite part, actually. Good to know. Um, in the late 70s, Marsha gets gastric bypass surgery. Yep. Which worked almost too well, because now Marsha starts getting... A She's lot a of babe. ...attention from men. Yep. Yeah. Not that she wasn't a babe before, but... She's just more of a babe. And she men took start up more space. Yeah. <laughs> but men start to mass. notice her, and he gets scared because he knows that she's going to leave him, or could leave him. Well, he's been burned once already. Yep. And also, losing all that weight and like getting the attention and stuff gave her kind of a new lease on life. So she's kind of reliving like a second teenage party time kind of. Mm-hmm. Phase. Mm-hmm. They would go to this country western bar to go dancing and stuff. Him and Marsh, or yeah, Marsh, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, another couple that they were friends with. Mm-hmm. Sometimes Gary would have to work overnight graveyard or whatever, and the three of them would go out, and then she ended up not coming home and stuff. Mm. Started cheating because she was all. Oh, I didn't know she actually started cheating. Yep, she's all hot and stuff. Hot and bothered. <laughs> I'd be bothered if Gary Ridgway was my husband. Anyways, so the marriage is now done, and they divorce in the spring of 81. Uh, Marsha would let, later tell investigators how Gary would like to sneak up on her from behind to scare her. Oh, uh, yeah. And also, one time uh, they came home, and she had drank too much. Uh, Gary choked her from behind. And then kind of like ran behind the van and pretended to chase someone. And he came back saying that it wasn't him that choked her. Someone. Oh, yeah. He's totally um, gaslighting her. Yeah. Getting her to think it was something else and like that she's like going crazy or something. So some red flags. Oh, yeah. Lots. So shortly after the divorce, Gary starts attending... Parents without partners meetings for single parents and begins dating several of the women from there. His girlfriends would say that Gary would demand sex two to three times a day, preferring the woods or his truck, sometimes tying them up. But this whole time, probably when he was married and all that, he was still visiting prostitutes. Mm-hmm. Um, sex workers. Tomato. Tomato. I know. In her book... He- you know, in your defense, in the book throughout, it, it is prostitutes, but the more acceptable term these days are, is sex workers. But I know because of the time period, like the 80s, that's what they were. I mean, they had all kinds of names, but yeah, prostitutes was what they were called. But they were also like people, <laughs> too. They still Yes, are yes, yes. And that's really, really, really important to remember as we continue with Ridgeway because... He's got one of the highest body counts it's of crazy. anybody. Yeah. And it's and it's the people that he chose that he that he was able to continue on with his killing spree for decades, you know? Yeah, it was uh definitely done on purpose. Mm-hmm. The people he chose. Oh absolutely. Women of color and sex workers. Because yeah. those were the two groups of people that no one was looking for. Yep. And when I say no one, I mean that the law enforcement was looking for. They, Obviously, yeah. their families were looking for them, but they weren't getting the help or support of law, law enforcement. 
Not a high priority. No, not a high priority. Probably just a runaway, right? Or probably just OD'd and died somewhere. So, in the summer of 82, uh, two boys playing in the woods discover the body of Wendy Caulfield, 16 years old, on the banks of the Green River. Four weeks after that, someone reports another female body in the Green River, which would turn out to be Deborah Bonner, 22. Uh, Detective Dave Reichard of King County Sheriff's Office is called to investigate. Three days later, a rafter looking for anything of value in the Green River comes across two bodies in the river being held down by stones. Dave Reichard, Sue Peters, and Major Dick Kresge, the commander of Major Crimes Unit for the Sheriff's Office, respond to the call. Uh, Reichard slips at the edge of the river and almost falls on top of a third body. Oh, jeez. Oh, God, what a nightmare. Yeah, it's just all these people there. Oh, bodies are just piling up, literally. This one was 16-year-old high school student Opal Mills. Oh, yeah. Uh, the other two bodies would turn out to be uh, that of Marsha Chapman and Cynthia Hines, both known sex workers. The Green River Task Force is set up with Frank Adamson as its command, as well as 25 investigators. Mm -hmm. uh, Ridgeway is picked up in a prostitution sting, and again for soliciting an undercover police officer, which he kind of has. He's, he uh, just walks right into those traps. That's going to be his undoing. Yep. Um, investigators had no reason to believe at this time that he was involved with the murders he seemed to be a somewhat normal nondescript lonely guy that paid for sex yeah he just didn't fit their type right they're like i did they uh did the fbi do a behavior profile or whatever they did but they weren't involved at this point oh okay because i know that i think that they said and this is what kind of limited their investigation too is that like he couldn't possibly be married he couldn't possibly like have a kid or have like a consistent job and he literally had all of those things like yeah. him him and btk uh dennis raider they both just did not fit the profile that like the investigators and the fbi wanted them to fit because they both had families. They were both married. They both had consistent jobs. They were both contributing members of society. They both were religious, you know? They don't, they didn't fit the profile that, the convenient profile. Yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, he escaped under the radar. A lot. A yeah. Yeah. More than Ugh. a few times. Um, Man, if they just caught him so much earlier. Yeah. So, 16 women would go missing this year. 1982? This is 1982. Um, yeah. Many have ties to prostitution, drugs, and street life. And last seen near what was then called the SeaTac Strip, uh, where there was many bars, dance clubs, and cheap motels. Mm-hmm. It was, like, right by the airport as well. Yeah, and it's... That's a point that you bring up, too, is that he picked people who were living, quote unquote, high risk lifestyles. So it wasn't just that the law enforcement wasn't really looking for them. Was that also like their families, to some extent now, not all of them were kind of like not really looking for them because they just figured that they were probably just doped up somewhere, you know. So it's like it's a double whammy for these, you know, missing and murdered women because... You know, their families maybe have, you know, had tried a lot to get them to come back home or something. And you know, obviously the ones that are 16 years old and stuff, they didn't have a chance. But I, he really targeted, like, women that were hard up, you know. Oh, for sure. It's so sad. They said that there's, uh, police said that there's 16 women missing at this point. But the girls working on the streets uh, believe that there was... Much more than that. But by now, the uh, sheriff's office was getting inundated with tips uh, and people trying to help. One of these people was 43-year-old Melvin Foster. Foster, an unemployed cab driver who'd been to prison twice for auto theft, went to the sheriff's office offering to help investigators, believing he knew who the killer might be. Did he? No. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this seems pretty early on. Probably not. But it would have been interesting if he had put out his name as a person of interest, though, you know? So he went and, I guess, named two other cabbies. Oh, okay. That maybe he had some 
personal beef with. Mm-hmm. Um, but he showed a little too much interest in the case, so detectives got sketched out. Kind of, uh, it's like a red flag went off. So he kind of became a suspect because he was too willing to help. Um, serial murders often show interest in their cases mm-hmm. and uh, get off on being so close to the people that can put them away. You know, mm-hmm. like. I'm smarter than you. Yeah, it's kind of a game for them. Yeah. So, Melvin also said he knew five of the missing girls. Yeah, that's not something you want to reveal about yourself (laughs) if you're innocent. He said being um, a cab driver, he would see the girls on the street, and sometimes he'd try to help them out with food, a ride, or even money for a room for the night. Hmm. But nothing's free in life. Yep. And so he was... A suspect? having sexual relations with oh, some of these Oh, okay, girls. yeah, yeah. And he had a girl that the police talked to, uh, a girlfriend that was 17, and he's, what? Older? Yeah. Um, probably not 17. No. He's a cab driver. He's probably in his mid-20s or early 30s. 43. Oh, okay. Whoa, 17 and 43? And Gonna his go- 17-year-old girlfriend <laughs> broke up with him because he was infatuated with... Oh, I said it again. <laughs> In fact, she waited. In fact, he was really into this 14-year-old girl. So this guy is no peach. It's what? Okay. Just keep, yeah. Is that a bad? Yeah, no, no. It's Peach? Well, it's interesting because he seems like such a terrible dude. But at the same time, it like we know for a fact that he's innocent, he didn't do the killings. It's weird that he wants to put him so close himself so close to the investigation and making himself a suspect when he truly is not one. So I want I actually even though it, yeah, he's a child molester, right? But I actually wonder if deep down inside he is kind of a vigilante like wanting do-gooder. Well, it sounds like he did help out these people for yeah a tug here <laughs> i don't know 14 <laughs> year old tug. no i don't yeah i know i don't yeah <laughs> i'm like mom or 14 i'm not condoning it worse? don't yeah. get me wrong devil's advocate over here yeah no no yeah um there's maybe an element of goodness to him but we're not seeing it it's okay so I think part of the allure for Foster was he was on the news, um, like all the time, as like a potential. Yeah, talking murderer. about he was like a, sus- a suspect, but how he couldn't have. He's com- like, look, mom, I'm famous. I couldn't commit the killings because he was physically unfit. I think he had like a bum leg or something. Oh. Um, well, but you don't need to have like good legs to be able to strangle someone. Foster was their main suspect. Uh, he was given a polygraph test, which he failed. And his story flip-flopped more than once. Mm. Um, he was surveilled for weeks, and a warrant was given to investigators to search the house that Foster lived at with his dad. Mm. But nothing uh, that tied him to the case was ever found. Yeah. Um, so, uh, basically, the police clear him because they don't have anything that really ties yeah. him to the case. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably surveil him for a while after, though. Yeah. Uh, November 82, uh, Ridgeway picks up Penny Bristow, mm. hitchhiking, uh, and she's hit- hitchhiking on her way home from work. Uh, though not a sex worker, Penny agrees <laughs> agrees to perform oral sex for $20. Says Gary Ridgeway, probably, right? How else? No. Uh, oh wait, she... you'll 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 find out. Oh okay okay. She's well. Was she a the survivor? reason she was hitchhiking was because she didn't want to spend the two bucks or whatever to get a cat on the bus. Oh okay yeah yeah. So she's like so hard up that twenty bucks is like a big deal. So. Uh, okay. So, on the way to a quiet spot in the woods that Ridgeway knew, uh, she asked him actually if he was the Green River Killer. Oh yeah, that's right. And he laughed and said, of course not. And then he showed her uh, like things in his wallet, like his ID, 
And then a picture of his kid. Pictures, yeah. Yeah, he would keep like toys up on his dashboard too of his kids. And you know, his kid was named Matthew, but I swear in the Green River Running Red book, she keeps calling him Chad. Maybe she changed his name for the book. She did change his name. Oh, sorry, Matthew. I didn't mean to out you. Well, I was actually using the fake name. You were using the real name. Take it easy, Chad. Although Chad is 45 years old, so, you know. I, I hope he's okay. I really hope he's okay. Don't you? If you found out your dad was Gary Ridgway, or... No, not that. Well, if your dad was Gary Ridgway and you found out he was the Green River Killer. Not that, like, Jack is all of a sudden Gary Ridgway. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a mustache. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I don't know. That would be a That's huge about all they have in common. Mindfuck, yeah. I hope. <laughs> yeah, we shall see. You know what? You know, we still got a whole lot of time to figure that out. <laughs> Jack. All right. So once in the forest, uh, Penny tries to make her 20 bucks, but Ridgeway couldn't perform. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. And so he freaks out kind of, and he struck her in the head, uh, smashing her head into the mud and the leaves and yelling about how she bit his penis. Yeah. Then he gets behind her and begins choking her the whole time Penny's begging for her life. Yeah. Um, Ridgeway tries to get a stronger grip, but Penny breaks free and runs. And with his shorts around his ankles, Ridgeway cannot keep up. Yeah, that's right. So Penny makes it to a, a mobile home that's nearby. They let her in, saving her life. That's right. She's like the survivor. Yep. Wow. She gave police a description of her attacker. White male, mid-30s, brown hair and mustache, driving they an all? old pickup truck. Aren't they all? Yeah, I mean, this is the 80s, so... If you had a white pickup truck, you'd be a... You would be a suspect. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, babe. <laughs> well, you would. <laughs> um, May 1983, 18-year-old Marie Malvar is seen getting into a dark-colored pickup truck. With a primer patch on the passenger door. Yeah. Uh, by her boyfriend Richie. Richie follows the truck. You know. Okay, go ahead. Come again. Yeah. Wait. <laughs> I think that she didn't explicitly say this in the book, but this is one of the reasons that police don't want to release certain details is that they release the description of the truck as a what? What color? With penny. Dark colored. Okay. And he ends up, I'm pretty sure, repainting his truck. I think he actually just got different trucks. And different tires, too. But he also, remember, he works at a paint place. He, But that's one of the reasons that, like, and I'm, I'm all for, like, releasing, you know, pertinent details to the public to make them aware of, like, a killer on the loose and stuff. But, like, if they had released the color of the truck or that was dark colored or whatever, um... It's really, really dangerous because then it gives the killer a heads up to switch up their MO, you know? Yeah. That's I mean. that's why, you know, it talked about a primer patch on the pickup truck. And I was thinking, I wonder if he was in the middle or in the midst of, like, repainting his truck to throw, you know, the scent off of him or something, you know? That was just, like, she didn't mention it, but I do remember that detail. Yeah. I mean, it's a possibility. Yeah. I mean, he had access. He did do things to... Allude, oh yeah, you know, detectives and stuff. Yeah, which made him feel very smart. Yeah, like he. I mean, people He's called like, him dumb, but he was able to stay. Did he say Gary Wrongway? Isn't that what people called him? Well, we'll get to that. Yeah, um, I'm gonna call him Gary Wrongway. Okay. <laughs> All right, Chad. <laughs> um, so her boyfriend was a weird thing when like oh, prostitutes yeah. have boyfriends and the boyfriend sex workers. Okay, sorry, sex hey, workers. if you gotta make money. No, I understand. And you got nothing else. But, like, when the boyfriend follows. Yeah, because he's, like, trying to. The bodyguard. Yeah. I understand, but. I mean, it's not necessarily stated, but maybe implied that it's also her pimp, too. Right. I was thinking yeah. more along those lines, but it seems like she. He, he actually does, did seem like he cared about her. Yeah, exactly. Because he reported her missing and everything. So, he tries to follow the truck, but um, he gets stuck at a light. Truck gets away. He can't find it. Um, so he goes back to the Three Bears parking lot where she got picked up. 
um, waiting for her, but she never returns. Yeah. So four days later, uh, Richie reluctantly went to the Des Moines Police Department and reported her missing. Uh, Jose Malvar, Marie's father, picked up Richie and searched neighbor, uh, neighborhoods and cul-de-sacs looking for the truck with the primer door. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eventually they do come across it almost in a hidden drive, uh, driveway and call police. Mm-hmm. Detective Sergeant Bob Fox responded and questioned Ridgeway at his front door for a short while, but never went inside. Hmm. Um, returning to Jose and Richie, he tells them the new homeowner said there was, wasn't any girl there and never was. The issue wasn't pushed further because Ridgeway seemed normal enough. Not nervous at all, just curious why police were at his door. They had no probable cause, so police drop it. But Jose and Richie watched the house for several days, wondering what happened to Murray. Uh, May 8th, 1983, King County detectives quietly investigate the discovery of a body found near the Green River. The body was staged ritualistically, and investigators didn't believe her to be a Green River killer victim. The M.O. just seemed so different, uh, and so they kept their findings secret from the press. Carol Ann Christensen, 22, found almost in a sitting position, face up, with a paper bag uh, over her head. Um, oh, yeah, this is the weird one. Yeah. Uh, this was in Maple Valley, about 28 miles east of the SeaTac Strip. Um, a couple mushroom hunting in the forest spotted her. Um, her hands were folded across her belly and were topped with ground sausage meat. Two trout cleaned and gutted laid vertically along her throat, and an empty wine bottle was placed across her lower abdomen, taunting investigators. What a strange scene. It's the only one that's really posed like this, and I know he will explain later why, but it seems like a weird ritualistic thing, because fish and wine definitely, you know, like it feels Eucharistic, hmm. you know? Kind of. Yeah, I mean, the fish and yeah, the yeah, wine? Absolutely. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I'm just waiting for like a loaf of bread, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, so weird. Sausage throws it off. Yeah. Um, the only thing that kind of like was similar to the other Green River Killer victims was uh, she was strangled with a yeah. ligature. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And he, yeah, I know you're going to probably explain later what's up with the body and stuff, but are you going to? Um, why he did that one that way? We could talk about that now. I mean, he did it to attract animals. Yeah. Yeah. But the body was found before the animals were attracted to the scent of the trout and the sausage. And the bag over her head was because he felt bad. Like, he, this one was like... He knew her. He knew her. And she had a young kid and she... He was, felt bad. Just had gotten a job, I think, and he knew that she was doing good in life. Mm-hmm. And... For whatever took over inside of him, you know. Yeah, he killed her. Um, yep. But yeah, this that one was personal for him. Um, by the summer of '83, obviously not that personal. But anyways, keep <laughs> like I don't want to give him any credit at all whatsoever. But at the same time, like there are a couple of like two moments ever basically in his life where he has a an emotion. Besides, like, rage and violence, you know? And one of them is, like, admitting that, and the other is, we'll talk about later. Yep. Um, so by the summer of 83, investigators unearth 19 female bodies from three main sites, Ugh. north, south, and east of the SeaTac Strip. Um, God, yeah. Around Halloween 1983... Kim Nelson, a sex worker with many aliases, disappears. Her friend Paige and her had been staying together at a cheap motel on the Strip, trying to make just enough money to cover the $25 rent for the night. Mm -hmm. uh, Kim or Tina or Star or whatever name she was going by hit the Strip with Paige. Yeah. Paige picks up a trick first and is gone for only 15 to 20 minutes. When she gets back to the bus stop in front of the Red Lion Inn, which was a prime location for picking up dates, Kim's not there. 
thinking she got a date, went back to their room. Paige decided to go back to the room herself because it was really cold and wet out that night. Paige returned to the motel, but Kim was not there. Two days later, while searching the streets for Kim, a dark-colored pickup with white canopy and a primer patch on the door pulls up to Paige, and the driver asks, Didn't you hang around with the tall blonde girl? Describing the friend she'd been looking for. Immediately sketched out, she uh, slowly shook her head no. The driver then propositioned her, wanting a car date. Paige declined. There was something about this guy that she really did not like. Man, that is one John you were glad that you turned down. Yeah, spidey senses were working. Whew. Um, so then actually Paige goes and talks to police. and uh, gave Because dis- she's so sketched out by him? Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, gave, well. Gave a description of the driver of the truck, white, mid-30s, around 5'10", strong build, brown hair, mustache, and a flannel shirt. Um, early 1984, Green River Task Force was inundated with tips from the public. Sex workers, street people, and even psychics were giving investigators an overwhelming amount of information. Oh yeah, there was that one psychic who would not like leave them alone, right? Yeah, and actually her and the Melvin, the taxi driver guy, would get together at a bar and drink. And Really? Yeah. Wow. It's you like know, I want to... Punisher tag team. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I want to believe that they genuinely just wanted this monster caught, but they probably hindered the investigation much oh, yeah. more than they helped. But I, I want to give them credit that it does seem like they both legitimately, like in their bones, wanted to solve it. But I'm sure everybody involved did. You know, it doesn't mean that coming up with shit is going to help the investigation, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it just hindered it. Um. So the task force organized a way to classify the sub, uh, the suspects, uh, A, B, and C. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> Very complex. Well, because at this point, the bodies are just piling up. Yeah. And they probably have, I mean, you know Seattle. Yeah. There's tons of crazy. It's a shithole. Sorry, Seattle. Crazy lunatic type people. All over the place. I mean, there's crazy lunatic type people everywhere. They're like yeah, spiders. Yeah. There's one always like in within 10 feet of you. Yeah. And it's a dreary place. Yeah. And there's a lot of disparity between like the rich and the poor. And so it was it's, way it's, sleazier back then too. Yeah, for sure. Um, Bill so, Gates wasn't there yet. Or he probably was. He I don't know what he has to do. Maybe, maybe Bill Gates. Maybe Bill Gates was the green. He, he kind of looks like Gary He doesn't Ridgeway. have a mustache. I'm sure he did at some point. <laughs> he, he was a fake one. That's robotic. <laughs> um, so the A's were top priority, obviously. This is really... really. Uh, oh, you're saying this is the, the suspect. The classification suspect. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Because they also suspect. classified the the Jane Doe's and stuff. No, this is for the suspects. Yeah, okay, yeah. Gotcha, So gotcha. like A is obviously top priority. Uh, B's, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The public was beginning to demand some answers uh, because all these, so many people were going missing. On the whole, yeah. But there was also some assholes who were like, eh, why are we spending so much city money for dead hookers? You know what I mean? There well, were some dissenting voices. If you go to any... I know. Chat room, let's say chat room on the internet, you'll see... Those dickheads. It's like a little uh, microcosm of the world. <laughs> how people actually are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not too good. Yeah. Um, February twentieth, Mike Barber. Is this nineteen eighty three still? Yes, I believe it. Yeah, is, so. is nineteen eighty three, and Mike Barber, who wrote extensively about the Green River Killer, worked at a newspaper called the Post Intelligencer. He received a letter postmarked from Seattle. The message inside had no spaces between the words, and he had to read it several times, but it still didn't make much sense. Probably written by a dyslexic person. Could be. The letter was signed, Call Me Fred. Hmm. Barbara turned turned the letter in to Detective Reichard. Uh, They were able to get a good fingerprint off it, but there was no way to know if this was really from the Green River Killer. Yeah, too circumstantial. 
there is yeah and there's so much information coming in yeah um so so many people's ex-boyfriends ex-husbands ex-friends that were sketchy and looked like the profile you know the the mug or not the mugshot the police sketch you know so many ex-boyfriends and ex-husbands were accused yep police begin doing more stings undercover police officers dressed like prostitute sex workers yeah yes yeah hoping to catch the killer but again how would they know if the guy they caught is the yeah. killer that's really putting your detectives in harm's way too or you know your people that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. man because could you imagine being a police officer working undercover and then like potentially getting into the car of a serial killer who chokes and kills all their victims it'd be terrifying that's why they get paid so well i bet all this yeah <laughs> police officers teachers yeah they get paid very well. way too much um well check this out february 23rd 1983, the Green River Killer did get caught in one of these stings. Mm-hmm. And he was questioned by Detective Randy Mullinex. Mm-hmm. Mullinex took his info. Uh, he wrote a field investigation report and then let him go. Hmm. He was only uh, one nondescript face among so many. He didn't seem to be a viable suspect. He was picked up several times, actually. But seems so unassuming. Police didn't think it could be him because mm-hmm. he was just such a Chad. <laughs> At least Anne Rule thought so. Well, yeah, he had the Chad look. You um, got the look. <laughs> March thirty first, two new dump sites are discovered. The first is twelve miles from the town in Newmanclaw, and thirty miles southeast of the SeaTac Strip. The second, a few miles east of North Bend, is at the base of Mount Washington. Um, the Green River killer murders dominated the evening news. Ridgway loved the attention. He was a nobody his whole life, but now he felt powerful and important. By June 16, 1984, the official death toll was 26. 18 had been ID'd, mm. and the rest were only bones. Mm-hmm. And that's Anne Rule was saying that like they were being referred to as bones one, bones two, bones yeah. three. And she said when she started to kind of think that way as the victims as bones one, bones two, she stopped herself. She got out their pictures, and she got out the names of all the known victims, and she forced herself to memorize all of the names because remembering somebody as just a bag of bones is just like a specimen, right? It was so wrong. Like, she felt insane. Like, because the bodies were piling up, and she didn't want them to be just bodies and bones, one, two, three, four, five, yeah. you know? But also, some of the people couldn't be identified. Yeah, I know. And that's why they were to this bones. day, is there, are they all identified at this point? I don't think so. Hmm. Um, so, November 1984, detectives Dave Reichert and Bob Keppel fly to Florida. To talk to serial killer yeah. Ted Bundy. Mm-hmm. Which is Anne's old buddy. Yeah. So weird. Um, and that's why he stopped talking to her so much. Because he used to write to Anne Rule all the time. And then he kind of stopped writing to her at a certain point. And it's because Ted Bundy had a new audience. Which was the detectives of the Green River Task Force. Which uh, is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So Bundy was on death row at Rayford State Penitentiary for the murder of Kimberly Leach. Um, Bundy considered himself the expert in serial serial murder, mm. and he was an egomaniac, so he missed oh, yeah. being in, in the, the spotlight. Spot, yeah. yeah. Well, and also he was at uh, threat of um, at this point uh, breaking his number. Yeah. Uh, also, I was just going to say, uh, Ridgeway was getting close to mm-hmm. to Bundy's body count, and Ted couldn't have that, so he reached out to investigators and tried to help. Plus, the longer he helped, kept him relevant and out of the electric chair. Mm-hmm. Some of his information was really accurate, and but I think most of it was fairly off. Yeah, revisiting the crime scenes to kind of relive and maybe even have sex with the corpse. Those were things that he mentioned to investigators. Like, he likes to reuse dump sites, right? Yeah. Or like, and revisit it dump sites. It turns out that yeah. he did do that. Uh, hand- yeah. Well, 
only 10 times. Oh, out of the 49 or 48 or whatever? Yeah. Well, he would tell investigators oh, later on yeah. that, like, he the ones that fought, yeah. he would just throw them in... Like garbage. Well, like, just in secluded spots. But the ones that were in clusters were ones that he, like, liked. And he wanted to revisit. And, and he had sex with their corpses until the maggots would fall out of them, right? It, yeah. Gross. Until it's too stinky. Gross. gross. Um, so, anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, Bundy was right about that one. Good job, Bundy. Way to go, Bundy. Way to go, dickhead. Uh, <laughs> um, problem with, uh, he actually suggested that to police, and the police would have taken him, him up on that, but the sites that they knew of, all of the remains they found were too skeletonized for any. Necromancy. Bomb, chicky, bow, wow. Yeah. Yeah. So... Necromantic trysts, as you thanks, will. Thanks, but no thanks, Bundy, because mm-hmm. you didn't... Yeah, so they killed him. Yeah, you got the wrong answer. You're done. Mm. Uh, February 1985. That's me. That I was one. <laughs> Amy was one. Mm-hmm. Ridgeway also meets Judith Lynch. What a good year. Uh, they meet at a country western oh, dance. Oh, that's right. Oh. Judith. Judith. Judith and Chad, or whatever your name is. Gary. They're they're victims, too. Oh, Jesus. What? They're victims. Gary's a... De- uh... No, no, no. Judith and Matthew. Oh. <laughs> the son and, like, the and the, the ex-wife, Judith. Yes, like, yes, obviously. She makes me incredibly sad. I know, yeah. She really loved him. She actually genuinely loved this man a lot. Yeah. So and they, he loved her. They had a lot maybe. in common. And she, actually, I think she was the reason why he stopped killing. That's what he says, yeah. Um, so they both like country western music, garage yeah. sales, and flea markets. Mm-hmm. Um, about the same time Gary and Judith are meeting, uh, Ridgeway gets picked up by Detective Ralph McAllister after Penny Bristow who tried uh who Ridgeway tried to choke for biting his penis and she didn't made a claim about him 3 years after the incident um but this too Ridgeway explained away he said he paid her for oral sex and she bit him so he struck her and choked her but only as a reflex most men would do the same thing Ridgeway said Penny didn't want uh didn't want to charge him formally so police let him go again Man, he was in their grasp so many times. It's amazing. The 80s, man. The 80s? No. I was only alive for a little bit of it. Well. So it's not my fault. A lot of things changed with science, too, so. Oh, yeah. DNA was, like, early 90s. DNA. Yep, O.J. Simpson. That was, like, the first major trial. I know it wasn't the first, but it was the first major one that was televised. And the jury was all sketched out by DNA because they were like, what is this quote-unquote science? And now it's, like, this insanely accepted thing. Yeah. Because um, it's real. So this incident with Well, DNA is real. Oh. Oh. Uh, this incident with uh, Penny did elevate gary ridgeway to the a category on the task force Finally. suspect list uh ridgeway took and passed a polygraph test um because he's a psycho he's been like this is like six times now i think uh police surveilled ridgeway watching him interact with uh, working girls uh then the police would question the girls but they they're would... like are you dead <laughs> No? Yeah. Okay. He's not our guy. They said that he wasn't hurting anyone and he seemed decent enough, you know? And so, once again, he uh, slips through. Um, June 85, uh, Judith moves in with Ridgeway. Mm -hmm. Um, They have a comfortable relationship, camping or collecting and restoring things they'd find and then selling them. They'd have a lot of garage sales and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, And... Like, like we said, since 85, since they kind of get together, the, the murders seemed to stop. Girls weren't disappearing like they had been. Um, but they were still finding bodies. Yeah, they're still finding some but stuff, but not like they were. They're from, like, that time period, yeah. so they were skeletonized people, and mummified. Yeah, people also started thinking that the killer maybe moved on 
Maybe to uh, Oregon? Yeah, they, they either he moved on, died, or was incarcerated. Right. Yeah. But they were finding some partial remains in Oregon, so they thought maybe he moved there. Yeah. And since now they're finding stuff in Oregon, in June 28th, 1985, the FBI officially joined the investigation. And you know why they were finding stuff in Oregon? To throw people... The, he was... Throw them off. He was taking random body parts all over places. Yep. He's a quote-unquote criminal mastermind. Slippery Gary. Oh, Gary. Um, by the end of 85, some of the best detectives in the Northwest had been working on the case for if three any, years. If anybody named Gary is listening to this, I'm. we're not saying that all Garys are bad. It's just... There's just a lot of bad Garys. Okay. Not you, the other one. <laughs> yeah. The other five. Um... So, yeah, they've been working on this thing for three years. They spent $8 million and no yeah. viable suspect. So the public and politicians both are getting pretty... Frustrated. Uh, thank you. Frustrated. Mm-hmm. You know what, Kevin? I know we were trying to do this in two parts, but it's just not going to happen. Gary Ridgway... We're not always going to do kind of the heavy hitters, if you will, it's just we couldn't talk about bad Garys and then ignore Gary Ridgway. He had, what, 49 victims? 48 or 49. 40, yeah. yeah, I think that he was only convicted of 48, but that the actual count was 49 and probably much higher. And he said there was more, yeah. Yeah, probably closer to 60. Um, anyways, uh, way too many victims to be able to do in one one hour long episode. So we will wrap up next week with how Gary Ridgway was caught, as well as um, the kind of aftermath and, you know, a lot of the victim impact stuff that happened afterwards with the families um, at his trial. And then also what everybody's been waiting for. Gary, Gary Indiana. Indiana. <laughs> Um, so anyways, um, if you'd like to email us, we're truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. Um, we have probably the next dozen or so episodes lined up, but we're always looking for other interesting cases in case you know of any, or if you want to drop us a line and tell us how we're doing. Actually, you know what? Don't tell us how we're doing because you have your own stuff to deal with. Just send us pictures of dumpsters in yeah. your area. But um, we're going to be joining um, Facebook and probably Twitter. I've never tweeted, really. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram soon, so we'll announce that. Um, but we're, yeah, going to wrap it up for this week, right? That's it for now. So don't be a bad Gary. If you're a Gary. Part three coming up. I know. So many Garys, so little time. Yeah. So, truecrimedumpster.com, truecrimedumpster at gmail.com. Have a great day. Stay out of the dumpster. Yeah.
Yeah.